Okay, it's the final Croncast of the of spring training. Actually, Doug, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. I feel like we're both doing better than Jarrett Parker is doing these last couple of weeks. That's true. Uh, I mean, my strikeouts have come in life and not baseball, <laughs> so I guess he's got that on me. <laughs> but uh, despite our many L's and K's, we're not going to make the Giants anyway. We're not, we're not, which we knew going into spring training. <laughs> That's true. When we opened up this app to record at the beginning of spring training, we knew <laughs> we had no shot. Uh, you know who should have a shot at making the team, though? Barry who? Bonds. Oh, Barry Bonds. <laughs> I mean, if, if they had a DH, there's at least got to be a 10% chance, right? He'd be like the oldest active player. He's 50. He, Did Satchel Page play when he was 50? That seems like it might have happened. Check the tape there. I mean, it would be interesting if Barry Bonds mirrored Jesse Orozco, who only ever who had a job so late in life because of Barry Bonds, that Barry Bonds <laughs> would come in as, I don't know. Would Barry Bonds be able to hit a, a major league fastball better than Tim Tebow is right now? Um, Yes. Unequivocally. Satchel Page did play when he was 58, but only for, it was like a stunt for one game. He he retired after his age 46 season. I I don't know. I, I think up till about, well, Bond should have been in the very first World Baseball Classic. That's, <laughs> that's one thing. I think the only reason he wouldn't have been is he was coming off that, uh, that 2005 where he was injured all year. I mean, you know, they obviously didn't ask him, but the reason why, you know, he, he shouldn't have been is that yeah. he had been injured and he needed the time in spring training. I don't think he had a full spring training that year, even. I, if I'm remembering right, which, I, you know, God, who knows? Um, he he played really part-time for a while. I think they could get Bonds, and he turns 53 in July, and... I think they could get him for he'd be good for like the first month when all the pitchers are still adjusting. Like if he had a full no, I'm just kidding. This is all ridiculous. But if you saw the video of him hitting batting practice home runs, uh, it was exciting uh, because it's rare that you see giants hitting home runs at any point. Uh, <laughs> batting in the batting cages, in a game, uh, in the video, they probably don't even in their video games either. Um, they're playing as they're themselves. big on bunting. They love those bunts in the video <laughs> game because Bochi doesn't let them bunt, so they go wild. <laughs> Hitting to the opposite field, bat control—that's what the game is. Um, uh, so it was exciting, and he's, he, as we mentioned, and as you know, he's back as he's back with the organization, and and uh, it's just a lot of fun that Barry Bonds is back being with the Giants, and it is fun, I think, to keep talking about him possibly playing in left field. Even as we get farther away, further away from the, the the even remote possibility of it, it's it's. I think it just gets funnier, and I like jokes that mature over time. Right. You know, I mean, it's the joke that you keep repeating it, and then it's not funny for a while, and then it gets that, really funny again. That's right. So that's that's what we're doing. Barry Bonds should probably be the opening day left fielder. That's right. Um, since it won't be Mac Williamson. <laughs> Who's who is hurt apparently for a while now? They said it was two weeks, and then I saw a tweet from Shulman a day or two ago saying that they don't know when he's going to get back on the field. So who knows? So that is basically Mac Williamson's deal in his young career has been injuries. Yep. Um, you know, and I would say if you're a reasonable, intelligent person at this point, for the most part, you know, when we're growing up and. Or to, you know, maybe our parents complain, or let's face it, our dads. Uh, you know, like, oh, that bum, he's always hurt. My dad never talked like that. But, um, you know, just baseball players get hurt. Some players get hurt more than others, and there's no, there's really no rhyme or reason, really. And, uh, and unfortunately, it looks like Mac Williamson uh, is on the wheel of injury. So, but hopefully he heals up and he's helpful to the Giants at some point because. It looks like they're walking into left field, locking, walking in with a very questionable outfield situation. And even, you know, whatever you think about Jarrett Parker, which I don't think of him as being a great Major League Baseball player, I do acknowledge he has power. And it looks like they're going to go in 
to the season with not a lot of power um, uh, in the lineup. Unless, this is my perfect transition, Doug, unless you're talking about Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford, World Baseball Classic champions. <laughs> That's true. They are. They they showed up, and as Crawford was, you know, I, I know that uh, that Marcus Stroman won the, whatever, the MVP trophy for the tournament. There's a strong argument for Adam Jones, too. Crawford was right there with him. Uh, Crawford had a phenomenal tournament from just every angle. He had big clutch hits. He had, he made tons of great defensive plays. His hair was glorious. He was just everything you want in an American. <laughs> damn it. And he, he had a great tournament. And Posey also had a good tournament. Posey was being played uh, part-time because either Jim Leland uh, hates him or because Jim Leland had promised the Rangers manager that he would play Luke Roy for half the games. I don't, I don't remember what conclusion we came to on that. Well, I think it's pretty clear that Jim Leland just refused to play his best players. Yeah. Because he thinks they're different from, he thinks the other players are the best players. That's, that's the, you know, Eric Hosmer is better than Paul Goldschmidt. Um. <laughs> That's true. The Diamondbacks should trade Paul Goldschmidt for Eric Hosmer straight up. Oh my God! The Royals would—they would do that very quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, World Baseball Classic. I feel like is fun. Uh, it's fun and and it's a. I think it's a good thing overall. I totally acknowledge the injury possibilities and and all that. But I guess it's one of those situations where, well, they made it through without getting hurt. So I'm not thinking about the downsides. Of it, but it is cool when the United States does well in baseball. I tend to think so. In that sense, uh, they also played pretty good baseball. Like they were exciting to watch. Um, I don't know why John Carlos Stanton was hitting in the bottom third of the lineup, um, but again, Jim Leland he he knows more than we do. So you know, <laughs> uh, Buster Posey being uh, have, basically he's got so many awards. Does it? phase him at this point do you think do you think he and brandon crawford at this point are like this is amazing or are they like okay i'm just gonna just gonna put this on the pile i think they think it's cool to get new awards like here's another one i have there aren't a lot of americans who have that one i have this one though that's true here's what i would think would make it sweeter um and that is getting them in different ways from like different people because they seem to get their awards from like the same four or five people. All right. Joe Torrey, uh, Bob Manfred and right. And, and that's it. And it's just the same people. And then the sponsor, like it'd be nice if it was like, Oh, it's, it's Justin Trudeau or, (laughs) or, um, uh, what's Angela Merkel doing here? <laughs> <laughs> William Shatner? No, it's, you know, it could be, could be a little bit different, a little exciting there, and they could have a moment. Thanks, Dalai Lama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shakira, you are the champions. <laughs> These hips don't lie. Uh, yeah, I could go at any. Uh, that's what I think is probably what's missing for them is that little extra spice of the unpredictability part of it. Of the awards ceremony itself. There we go. I would say that being on a team where Adam Jones leaps over the wall to catch a home run from his own teammate, like in the regular season, is probably something like seeing those types of things in person and obviously having them go for your team. Like those moments in baseball are probably things that are always going to stick with them to some degree. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was, you know, the iconic moment of the tournament. If this tournament can have an iconic moment. (laughs) Right. Um, Although, oh, funny. Just going back to the awards discussion for one second. The one thing I will always remember is um, Nate Sheerholtz. If you'll remember, he uh, he bowled over the Chinese catcher in the Olympics in 2008. If you'll also remember, the U.S. team got a got a bronze medal that year. And one of the thing one of the beat writers described it that when he brought the bronze medal to the clubhouse one time, there was a, a big hush that came over it. You know, they are into especially the nationalism. They are very impressed by it. Um, and even a bronze medal gets a lot of respect. So I am sure that, that Posey and Crawford are really excited. Oh, and Melanson. Melanson got one, too, uh, yeah. about their gold medals. That's right. 
Uh, I would say that let's. What do you think, Doug? Do you think like thirty three percent of the clubhouse, though, when the bronze medal came in, were like following the rule of if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all? And so they were just hushed because they're like, I'm just going to bite my tongue. Now's not the time. <laughs> and I bet there was like one or two guys who were like, that's the most concentrated bronze I've ever seen. Right. I've never seen that much bronze in one spot. <laughs> yeah, Rajay Davis was in the clubhouse. Yeah, that is so bronze. That is a lot of bronze. Like, I thought it would be some bronze, but that is a lot of bronze. <laughs> Bruce Bochy, hey, what you got over there? Is that bronze? <laughs> I love bronze. That's right. <laughs> Where'd you get it? Oh. And then he's like, he's like chewing on it. Bochy. He's like, oh yeah, it tastes like Chinese bronze for sure. <laughs> um, uh, but the idea that Bruce Bochy would know pays, you know, plays right into nobody paid attention to Nate Sherholtz. Right, exactly. So we so. just, yeah. We well, no, I, th- I think it, I think it does because he he didn't even know that Nature Holtz was in China. He's like, <laughs> that's right. oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, he's like, what would you get that? <laughs> did did we give you that time off? All right, <laughs> you didn't notice I was gone. Nope, can't say I did. So, <laughs> did not did not do that. Um, that was fun, but now I feel like we need to take it take it down several notches, thirty notches, in fact. Because uh, I don't know if you realize this, but uh, today, as we record this, so t- yesterday, if you're listening, because we're releasing it on Tuesday, was Buster Posey's 30th birthday. <laughs> oh my god! It's over! <laughs> it's over. Giants fans, we had a good run watching Buster Posey play baseball, but now he's gone, man. Doug, he's just gone. I mean, he's he's still around. He's still here, man. He's he's still Buster Posey. He hit two home runs in the World Baseball Classic and was so handsome. <laughs> Looks fade. Talent, <laughs> talent fades. He's not going to recover the same. Buster Posey is 30 years old, and as Grant pointed out a couple weeks ago, it does not signal... uh, We've basically got one or two years left with Buster Posey. (laughs) If last year was not that stopping point. Um, But basically, catchers like him do not age very well, and they definitely hit a wall like by 32. So, see ya! Nice (laughs) to... Uh, and I guess my point is, is that I think the Giants are fine with this, and I think we have to be fine with it as well. That's my point. Okay, that so we just have to accept that Buster Posey's bad now. We have to accept that we are all going to die, which is hard for some of us because some people listening are actually younger than others. Um, but it all mortality, it all hits us. Things, things fade. Um, you know, it's going to be weird seeing Buster Posey with gray hair. It, it is. That is really true. Um, uh, yeah. And he, he couldn't run any slower, but we're about to start seeing that too. <laughs> Although I still think he's going to crank out some of those sneaky stolen bases. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not getting dumber. He's just getting older. Yeah. So I... I mean, I guess what I'm saying is why the Giants are okay with it is he's still Buster Posey, and if there's any guy the Giants are going to keep... You know what I mean? Like, he he's not Tim Lincecum in performance fall-off, but he absolutely deserves to be treated how they treated Tim Lincecum, right? Right, yes. No, unequivocally. And to be fair, Tim Lincecum did deserve some of that rope he got, too. I totally get, I totally get most of it. Not those, that, not the last two-year deal, never. Right, ever, but that ever. first two-year deal, yeah, 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 absolutely makes sense. Uh, and so, you know, Buster, po- and you know, Buster Posey, what is going to happen? Well, injury and injuries up, power down. I think that's probably the most likely scenario, right? So, if he figures out a way, I do think he's one of the, he's extremely intelligent as a baseball player. Obviously, I think he could retool, and he's definitely been very good at 
driving the ball the other field, going up the middle with it. And I think if he can keep those skills in check and even get beef him up, I feel like he he has to carry the offense. I feel like that does affect his swing sometimes. You know, if you're like, ah, I just want to hit a three-run home run and go to bed, right? <laughs> like, because if he doesn't do it, who else is going to do it? Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of pressure on him. I will say this for Buster Posey, for Hope, uh, after Johnny Bench turned 30, and yeah, I'm going to Johnny Bench because who else would you compare Buster Posey to? Even Jesus? Johnny, well, Jesus, even, didn't, didn't, Jesus didn't play baseball. Even Johnny well, Bench, Johnny Bench compare, had four though. good years. He had yeah. four good years after he turned 30, though. His age 30, 31, 32, and 33 seasons were all pretty good. They weren't, you know, quite his his peak, but they were, you know, they were they were excellent seasons from a catcher. Essentially, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. But essentially, he was done after that. And if Buster Posey is, let's say, ninety percent of what he was last year in twenty seventeen, great. If he's eighty percent of twenty sixteen in twenty eighteen. You know what I mean? If you kind of go down that line, he's still going to be pretty good. Yeah. If we if we track with how you just said it. But, I mean, it is sad. I think it just kind of sucks. But then also we have to look at the fact that he's been he's been on – he's been the, the face of the Giants for a long time. The, the time has flown by. It really does feel like not that long ago where they traded Benji Molina mid-flight so he could be the starter. It doesn't feel that long ago that Eli Whiteside was pinch running for him, <laughs> causing them to lose a game in extra innings. <laughs> That's true. It, uh, it, us Giants fans who have been watching for all these years, it, it feels like it has all just happened, but it really hasn't. Yeah, I mean, 2011, and then oddly at the same time, 2011 does feel like it was some time ago. But I, I mean, who's going to forget who watched it live? Going to forget him clawing at the dirt. Uh, after after his ankle is shattered, his leg is shattered. But, you know, we've been through some times, man, with Buster Posey. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, and so I guess it just, uh, you want him to keep being Captain America, you want him to keep being the guy, and I think we need to go into this season just going, I'm still holding my line that I think the Giants are going to be good, but I think we definitely need to look at, like, you know, if last year is the best season that Buster Posey is going to put up the rest of the way, that's going to really suck in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it's like he's really laid it all out there. And you just just got to be happy with what he is, that, that he's still on the team. Got to be happy that they got him. And it's not like he's going to turn into Aaron Rowand tomorrow. And I, I'm knocking on wood, but I really believe that. I don't see him turning into Aaron Rowand opening day. No, and the thing about, you know, players fading at the end of their careers is they don't it's not a linear thing it's not like a gentle downhill slope he'll have ups and downs and it could this could be a better year for him than last year even while he's still starting his decline like that could just it could be you know he had a four win year last year by fan graphs he could have a four and a half this year and then sort of a 3.8 the year after and maybe a 4.1 and then like a 2.7 or something that's a totally legitimate decline phase. That's what that looks like a lot of times. Or he could get hurt. Right. So, oh god. So you know. <laughs> um, but that's why they signed Nick Hundley to make up for that. <laughs> to make up for the power. <laughs> right. And possible injuries. Um, okay. Now let's. Now that that unpleasantness is over with, let's do something that I think is kind of crazy and ill thought out. But I want to do it anyway before the season starts proper because maybe there, maybe I do have some sort of brain damage, Doug, but I am definitely thinking that the Giants have the best manager in the National League still. And I wanted to rank the National League managers because Joe Madden keeps popping up on my timeline. The Cubs keep popping up on my timeline. And they should pop up on the timeline. They are the champions. But is Joe? When it comes down to it, is Joe Madden the best manager in the National League? Is he the best manager in baseball? And it's pretty easy for me to say no. And I feel like when it's not the Giants, I'm I can be kind of reasonable. <laughs> right? No, it it doesn't seem like it to me. So I will say before we start, um, if we're going to rank all the managers in the NL, we should probably exempt uh, the Diamondbacks and Braves managers and Diamondbacks Rockies. Can- 
Uh, well, no, the Rockies. Well, we should put. Rock, we should put. Yeah, I guess I was thinking about him managing the Rockies, but you're right. Yeah. But this is also. Yeah. Also, just learning that he is managing the Rockies as of last week. <laughs> <laughs> but you have those old Padres opinions; you can just repurpose. No one will notice. That's true. It's a good point. Uh, um, but yeah, so yeah. Tori Lavolo, which I'm probably mispronouncing, of the Diamondbacks, and Brian Snicker of the Braves just got the job. So we will not be mentioning them. So this is pretty easy. I mean, this, there are fewer people to deal with than, than we thought, or than yeah. I thought. But yeah. So I mean, so that leaves us with uh, doing math. That's 13. 3, 6, 9, 12, 13. Okay, 13. Um, well, who do you think out of that bunch, admitting those two, is the worst? 13th. So the, the trouble with it is... Um, I mean, I know it'd be fun to say Mike Matheny, but he's not, you know, he's, he's not, no, he's not. like, he's not great tactically, but he's from all accounts, great in the clubhouse. So he and Dusty Baker should be together somewhere and that somewhere <laughs> should be not the bottom. Well, this is the thing. We don't really have a methodology here in terms of how we're ranking them, but what is your personal philosophy when you do think about managerial skill or dexterity or, or value? Um, if, if, the fewer positive things I've heard about them in the clubhouse, the, then I, I add that to what I've seen from them on the field. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's basically all perception for people like us anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. So mine is like perception of performance, or I know their performance, I can see those standings, but performance based on perception and maybe even statistical analysis of the talent yeah. Uh, perception yeah, of how they are in the clubhouse as partially reflected in public persona. So how they give interviews, what they're saying when they're saying things. And then uh, I think those are and then in-game managerial strategies based on whatever we've seen. So that seems to sort of favor more playoff bound. You know, you get more nationally broadcast managers. We get to see them more often. But we do have a bit of a cheat code with Roberts, with the NL West guys and Dusty Baker, obviously. Yeah, and then it's close. and then it's hard for us to really evaluate guys like, you know, Andy Green on the Padres, Pete McCannon on the Phillies, because those teams are bad. And, you yes, know, what but, are they expected to do with bad teams? So this is great because right off the bat, like Pete McCannon did well when he was when he came in versus what the talent on the team was. Yeah, exactly. So he did a great job, and I would I couldn't put him last. I'm going to nominate someone for last right now, and you tell me if this will... Okay. Well, it doesn't have to be final, but let's just... I'm putting Brian Price at the bottom. I, I was thinking about Brian Price, because <laughs> that's that's a team that's done nothing with talent. With You know, it's not a ton of talent, but they have not overperformed, we'll say. And he made a fool about made a fool of himself uh, with a, a quote last year, and I don't know what positives there are about him. And if he's losing his, if he's blowing his gasket in the press conference, I can't imagine he's holding it together in the clubhouse that well when things don't go right. And if you're on a team like the Reds, things are not going right a lot of the time. So yeah. it doesn't. It seems like it'd be very tense for lots of reasons, and he's not helping. And in-game managerial decisions, very tough when you don't have the talent, obviously. Um, but, you know, when the Giants have played them, there's nothing quite remarkable about him, which is tough. Nothing really stands out good or bad. So I'm going to put him at the bottom. For yeah, I think, I think that's fair. Um, so, I, like, who, who do we put next? Is it, is it Andy Green? Is it Terry Collins? Or is Terry Collins not actually that bad and Mets fans are just loud? Let's talk about Terry Collins. We can jump around. I think Terry Collins is, it seems, this is my perception of him. I think he's probably great in the club, good in the clubhouse. And I would say that his in-game managerial decisions are bad. I yes. would like genuinely say bad, not like average, bad. Yes. And, but I would say that he's, you know, I have to factor in that he's stuck around and the players don't seem to revolt despite his bad decision making. And when he does things like make fun of Wilmer, Tor Wilmer Flores for crying, he didn't make fun of him, but you know what I mean? Like he was just like, yeah. whatever. He had no emotion. I want to put him towards the bottom, but I also want to kind of hold him as 
in the middle because they did get to the World Series. They did compete. They did get to the playoffs when like yeah. all of their pitchers got injured, and you know Cespedes gets hurt, and their offense. If you look at that roster, it, you know, and not not the fault of the Mets like trying to be bad. It's just like they've had injuries and they've had guys. You know, David Wright has arthritis in his skeleton or whatever it is. Right. It's just like it's like they can't. There's only so much they he can do with what they have. Um, so I would say I'd keep him in the middle, like probably if he feels comfortable to me at like no lower than 10, at least right now. Yeah, I mean, I think 10 is probably about about fair. So do we want to go with so? So then the other one, I mean, he was managing all last year. I did not notice him other than he wasn't standing on the field doing a funny batting stance was Craig Council. <laughs> well, lots of positive stuff from him. And it seemed they did kind of throw him in, though, and just in the deep end and asked him to swim. And he seems at least the stuff that I've read when I've read like the beat writers for the Brewers and stuff here and there. He seems to be improving. He does. It's Craig Council. Like he doesn't he doesn't seem to rock the boat. No one's ever disliked him. So he's good with the press or whatever. And learning how to manage is not an easy thing to do on the fly when it's a major league team. But the Brewers also have been really good with their trades and, and somewhat with their drafting. They have talent. Uh, and so I would definitely say he's somewhere in this, just by virtue, of, in this 9 to 12 range. But I can't decide just yet. Do okay. I want to put him above Terry Collins? I kind of do. All right. So maybe we'll put Council at 9 and Collins at 10. Yeah. And then, we already, then we've already got Brian Price at 13. Yeah, we've got so. Price at the bottom. So I, uh, I feel like Andy Green's got to go in there somewhere because yeah, Andy Green probably has to go in there somewhere. The the Padres are such a tough team to think about when they've been overhauled like twice in the last what eighteen months. Yeah, um, but I would I, by default he kind of just goes as twelve. I mean he definitely is not making the public blunders that Brian Price is, and I don't know. I, I guess if we were to think about it. Why is it that the Padres have been able to, since they've moved into Petco, have a revolving door of random-ass relievers, but now they kind of don't with Andy Green? Is there something there? Is there nothing there? Let's just hang that on him. Right. And have someone in the comments shoot that down, but let's put him at 12. Okay. It's also the Padres. We should not be that generous. So, <laughs> I mean, also, let's be honest here. The Padres aren't going to hire someone good. They're the Padres. <laughs> they can't do that. Oh, 11, Don Mattingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is Don Mattingly a bad guy? No. He just seems like he's... He he definitely looks like on the field, and I'm not saying this is the truth, but it's tough when you look like you're in over your head. And he seems to have always looked that way. And I don't know, you know, and now he's on a, he's in a mess of an organization. Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, the fact that he got hired by the Marlins means (laughs) that he can't be that good of a a manager. If he had to stoop to that, then there's something wrong there. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's good. I like this already. This is good. I feel very comfortable with where Mattingly is. Um, all right. Checking all right. around. Uh, so n- number eight, I feel like this is a good spot for maybe McCannon. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think his I, strategy. I think him higher. Maybe he'll be higher next year. But until yeah. the team shows us something, I don't think it's the well, right thing to do. Well, hold on, actually. I want to throw this out here. Just a sec. I said McCannon, and I may have spoken too quickly. Do you want to put him over Dave Roberts? Or do you want to put Dave Roberts over him, I should say? I, I think I do. I think Dave Roberts, you know, I, I mean, that team was loaded with talent, but it they had a good year from all accounts. The the clubhouse held together even when Kershaw was out. Um, and in the playoffs, he showed some super-duper flexibility that you could only do with sort of a new manager and and – and seemed to take the company line and, and go with it and took yeah. them far. Yeah, uh, I would also say he got better as the season went along. 
Right, exactly. So, I mean, for me, the question isn't really putting Roberts over McCannon. It's do we want to put Roberts over Dusty and Matheny? Oh, well, we can start to get into a battle here. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we won't put Dave Roberts on yet, but we'll leave. We'll put Pete McCannon at eight. Yeah. I think Dusty Baker is actually a pretty darn good manager. He is, but we're not. We're, we're in the kind of realm of good managers. Seven? Is yeah, Dusty I mean, Baker? Does that feel right? All right, well, you're saying it feels right. No, no okay. seven would be Matheny. Matheny is below Baker. Okay. All right. Come on now. What do you think is Matheny's... Because to me, Matheny's pluses are he's got the square jaw, uh, top of the step, you know, dugout manager leader look. And he seems to be able to manage the talent he has okay, not great, but okay. We've, I mean, the Giants, Giants fans, we've had a front row seat to his questionable playoff calls for sure. Um, but you know, that seems like if, if you're the Cardinals, we know what the annoyance is. If you're facing the Cardinals, these random guys every year, four or five of them. And then like three of those get injured and two other random dudes come in for like two weeks and do well. And he's somehow been able to mix and match and handle the ride, the waves of injuries and whatever. So I would say, right. And that's what his positives are is sort of, yeah. Handling exactly. the clubhouse a little bit. Okay. I mean, Those they've had some good guys... performance out of guys who shouldn't be giving any good yeah. performances at all. Yeah. All right. Well, and his negatives, we just said, are the strategists. Uh, all right. We'll leave, we'll leave Matheny there for now. That seems, that seems reasonable. But I, I guess we started to get into a weird area where I'm like, is, is Mike Matheny worse than Clint Hurdle? I like Clint Hurdle, but is Clint Hurdle a great manager? Yeah, I think so. I think what he's done with that, with that Pirates team, that... You know, that hadn't made a, the playoffs in 20 years and that, you know, they come in and nobody nobody knows what they're doing. And then he, got, he, he, he took that team over and they got much, much better. It was like, I, I don't know how much of that to attribute to him and how much to attribute to a better cast of characters, but you look at the results and you have to sort of be impressed. And well, he you... also, as, uh, as we heard last, last week, He's also the best manager in Rockies franchise history. <laughs> That's right, which is an exceptionally low bar, but there it is. He definitely is the standard. Uh, all right, all right, I'll leave that there for now. He definitely uh, adapted, adopted a lot of. If you read Big Data Baseball, like he, you know, the Pirates couldn't have been as successful as they were unless they were able, unless their manager did have an open mind and was willing to make some changes. And again, it seems like a he seems like a decent clubhouse guy, even was when he was with the Rockies. There seemed to be some unit cohesion there. Um, all right, well, I'll go with that. I definitely was seeing, you know, Matheny won 100 games the year before with, like, a team that was not expected to win 100 games. So that yeah. was kind of where I was, like, going in that direction there. But all right, this is fine. It's fine. Now we're in the top five. These <laughs> are the big daddies. All right, here we go. You know, I... I, I I'd say this is probably Dusty Baker's ceiling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, he's home now. <laughs> it's warm. But, does, but I mean, Dusty Baker is, uh, I think he's got a, he's got a natural charm about him uh, that works well for him. And I think he talks up, I think he's really good talking up hitters. Well, hold on. Actually, let's, Let's go back on this because we ranked Mike Matheny over Bud Black, who we forgot about again. We did forget about Bud Black again. <laughs> Do we? Okay, but Bud Black's perception, he has a decent public persona, manages a pitching staff well, and I think he'll probably be a great manager for the Rockies. Um, it seems like the sample size is almost too small with him. But you know he was on the success. He was successful with the Angels. He was successful with the Padres for the most part. I mean, I think he was basically all 500 seasons or 80 and 82 with the Padres or somewhere close around that. But it wasn't like he was dealing with an abundance of talent. Um, no, that's true. But I mean that that 2010 team that they collapsed down the stretch. Like that. That's true. I, as You're much totally as right about that. like to give You're ourselves totally... all the credit for that, they you know. 
that and that was a team with a lot of talent too. That was Adrian Gonzalez, that was Matt Latos being That's great. Right. You're um, totally right. In the shutdown bullpen. So I mean, how much of that? You know, he created that bullpen in a lot of ways, but the same. Matt time, Latos ruined everything. Well, that's that's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right. I put Bud Black at seven. I yeah. bump everyone up. So then now Clint Hurdle's the fifth best manager in the National League. Yeah, I think that's about right. Okay. All right. I didn't wake up this morning thinking I would be saying that. <laughs> well. Uh, well, then to me it feels like it feels like uh, Dusty Baker at four feels very correct. Yeah, that's that's about right. And that gives us a top three of uh, Madden, Bochi, and uh, someone. Who are we missing? <laughs> We're probably missing someone extremely Oh, we haven't, we haven't put Roberts on yet. We didn't We didn't actually find a landing spot for Roberts. I would, ooh, I don't like Clint Hurdle sneaking into the top five here, but, or uh, above the top five. Oh, I thought we were going to, you know what, I would put, I would put Roberts ahead of Bud Black because Roberts has had the job for <laughs> the job most recently. Okay, so Roberts at six. I don't know. That's tough. Roberts and Bud Black feel like Bud Black has a pretty good sample size. Dave Roberts has a small one, but at the same time, it's like a huge recency bias, right? Dave Roberts. It's a huge Bud recency Black. bias. It's a huge talent bias. Huge um, public perception bias. Yeah, I mean it's not bias. It it leans heavily Dave Roberts and Bud Black is Bud Black has a great person. He has a good persona and he's shown analytical flexibility and new wave of thinking, whatever you want to say. So they're equal there. But I guess we do have to hold Bud Black's track record against him. Since yeah. He did have the collapse. He he didn't walk right into other jobs. Um, so there is that element. All right. I'm I'm fine with that. So that means... Dusty's now the third best manager in the NL. That's right. Dusty Baker. That still feels right to me. So we're putting <laughs> Roberts at, at five. We're putting Roberts at... Above Mike Matheny? Yes. I don't think we can put... I don't feel like we can put Dave Roberts above Mike Matheny. So we want to put him below Mike Matheny? Just like we bumped Bud Black for his track record, we have to take Mike, Mike Matheny's track record... In a consideration. <laughs> That's true. He, you know, you won I mean, 100 games with that team. Yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. So uh, so Mike Matheny becomes number five. Clint Hurdle's number four. And Dave Roberts is six. Which, this is all feeling kind of right to me. Matheny at five seems a little high, but I, I can accept it. You just got to look at the success. I mean, just the fact. Yeah, I mean, if, that's the thing. Talk, that, I mean, yeah. it's. I have to accept it because he's been a much better manager than his perception. I think. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, okay, Dusty Baker at number three. I'm still very happy with. Just given the state, uh, like all the things I was saying, I think he talks up hitters. Uh, he he gets a little bit more value out of them than maybe you might think. Or I kind. I'm giving this is all perception. Obviously, I think he helps end streaks. Like slumps, I mean. Right. Uh, he probably ends streaks too when he's like, oh, this young guy's doing well. I'm going to put this better. <laughs> you can't hit it. He'll end streaks that way. Uh, but I think he has tremendous value in a clubhouse. And I think as Giants fans, we know all the warts, but we also know all the positives. And he's, he was very popular. He's very popular in San Francisco now, now that the, you know, there's been some time away from everything. Right. But, uh, uh, yeah, this is fine. Dusty Baker, number three. So Joe Madden somehow now gets to number two, and I'm a little annoyed by that. But tell me why we shouldn't be that annoyed by it. I mean, Joe Madden's had a, a really good managerial career. He he took over the, the the Rays and well, he took over the Devil Rays in 2006. Had two really bad years, but then was great for the next you know what six years. Until his his final one there, where they were kind of going into there, we're not until the front office was like, yeah, we're not going to try anymore. Yeah, uh, win the playoffs and yeah, the World Series. <laughs> yeah, but he went to the World Series with Tampa, which no one ever thought would happen. Um, he won. He obviously has gone twice in a year with an absolutely loaded Cubs team, um, but he won last year. 
And, you know, he, he does have an, a track record. He did. He was in charge of Tampa during a, an incredible turnaround that no one saw coming. And he, you know, it's from all accounts, he's very wacky in the clubhouse. And the <laughs> players are apparently into that, which is an amazing feat of charisma. So there's a lot to recommend him. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes he runs into one and I enjoy whatever antics he's got going on. Uh, But I mean, he's certainly, it seems like it's kind of a hype versus perception thing. If you remove the hype, Joe Madden is, is clearly a good manager. There's no denying that whatsoever. None at all. But you add the hype in and it becomes cloying almost. And then when you think about the perception when you think about the hype and you look at the decision making in-game decision making joe madden causes you to scratch your head in every big game he's involved in whether he was with the rays or he's with the cubs and last year really just worked out because cleveland had no pitching like had no starting pitching like it just eventually the bullpens got tired right i mean it's the striking thing about the world series last year was Terry Francona faced with the fact that he had one good starting pitcher and then a bunch of just refuse did whatever he could to get his bullpen in there. He got creative with, you know, matchups and extending guy and using a guy using Andrew Miller and early. So he would be in the biggest situation. And, and he did exactly what he had to do given the limitation based and Joe Madden not facing those same limitations did the same thing. Yeah. That's that's not that that wasn't the best way to use that roster. Um, they won in the end, but they won despite his overuse of Chapman. They won despite a lot of things that happened that you know he should not have done. Yeah, I think winning a World Series in spite of your manager doesn't blur the fact that it was in spite of your manager. Like, right. <laughs> uh, they're a tremendously talented team. Could anyone have managed that team? No, because Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer were like, no, Joe Madden's the guy we want. Um, I can't even remember the guy they had right before him. But the guy that they brought in to be the guy. And then they were like, nope, not working. Need somebody else. Um, and obviously Joe Madden was available, so that was the other part of it. But, yeah, he didn't quite blow it for them, but he could have. And that's... <laughs> That's pretty damning, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Joe Madden's still a great manager. That's, like, not worth... I think uh, we grouse... I grouse on Twitter because it's just, like, the accolades just go way overboard. Like, Yadier Molina being the greatest catcher, greatest baseball player of all time, which was is the feeling of the article sometimes. It's kind of crazy how baseball writers get with the hyperbole. We're going to roll that right into Bruce Bochy talking about the greatest manager (laughs) (laughs) hyperbole. And last year felt like a a very much um, it it, to me, it was something that happened that I felt should have that I thought would have happened sooner. And that is Bruce Bochy buying into his own hype because I feel like he managed all of last season with the playoff mentality. And I think that's what screwed the Giants some of the time. Yeah, I mean, his. He had been great with the bull, with bullpen management for a really long time. And maybe last year it's that the ninth inning was cursed because he stepped on a witch's foot or something. But he did not do a good job. I mean, he didn't do a good job before the ninth inning, obviously. But it was that's where you really saw it is those saves just would not happen. The, the bullpen just, no, no, we don't feel like it. Not in the mood. And it yeah. it caught it was painful to watch, and it cost uh, the team a lot of wins. Did you ever see that Saturday Night Live sketch where um, Andy Samberg steps on a gypsy's? I'm sorry, that's an offensive term. He steps on a magical person's <laughs> like uh, dream catcher looking thing, and uh, and the guy played by Fred Armisen puts a curse on him, and uh, and what happens is is every so often when he's having a moment of joy or something, this light breeze blows in and then John Hamm is a shirtless saxophone player pops up. <laughs> oh yeah. And he, he goes, Sergio, that, that's what happened to the giants last year. <laughs> and literally it was Sergio at the end of the day. It was literally Sergio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that was the curse. That's what I'm saying. Uh, last year, Bruce Bochy was Andy Samberg. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with Bochy this year. Hopefully he will learn from that. Hopefully he will put relievers other than Josh Osich in, in situations where they and the, fail. It's weird. Josh Osich was the only one he did that with. Or maybe that's why. Maybe he put Osich in against righties and he kept failing so often. The Bochy's like, well, that's it. Platoons for everyone. Yeah, he tr- he kept trying to make another Jeremy Affeld happen. He kept trying to make Osich happen, and it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, here's the the question that you can all think about as we wait for the season to start, because you and I don't need to hash it out. We can just pose the question, and that is, when did Bruce Bochy become the best manager in the National League? That's a good question. That is a good question. Um, I mean, the the temptation is to say after 2012. When uh, when the Giants came back from those two deficits, but Dusty Baker had a big hand in one, and Mike Matheny had hands in both of the. So that's tough. Well, He's... Dusty Baker is the third best manager in the NL right now. <laughs> so I mean, the fact that he outmanaged him speaks well for Bochy. That's true. It's like a Highlander situation. He takes their powers once he defeats them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, great. All right, so our last spring training Twitter Q and A. Uh, let's let's go. Let's get these. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, first question is from Rob Hainer at Robert Hainer, who asked, "Hi Rob, who asked, do you think Bum will eventually become the Musina, Musina and or Schilling of his generation, overshadowed by others, but still great?" Um. So for me, I would say Schilling's actually not that bad of a comparison. I think Musina is. Musina didn't have the postseason resume. Um, but, you know, Schilling should, pro- based on his merits as a baseball player, Kurt Schilling should be in, in the Hall of Fame. Um, the fact that he's not is partially due to a loaded ballot, partially due to uh, his, uh, how should I put this, self? Yeah, himself. <laughs> um, he's a worst enemy. He just needed to be someone else. Basically, <laughs> um, but I—I I mean, to an extent, yes. Bumgarner is always going to be overshadowed by Kershaw in people's thoughts. In another sense, I would say Bumgarner has created a legacy that stands on its own as the most dominant and feared postseason pitcher of his generation. So that's something that's totally separate from the best pitcher, and that's something that he will be able to carry with him for a really long time. So I don't know that that will ever get overshadowed. Um, it seems like every other pitcher who's had that mantle, remember 2010, it was Cliff Lee. People would just anoint him, and then the Giants got to him in game one in a big way, and they beat him in game uh, five also of the World Series. And it just it just happens that if you can maintain that for a long time, then people are going to think about you long, long past your career. Yeah, and, and we already saw Jake Arrieta took – Bumgarner deep and the Cubs knocked Bumgarner around, but it was still in the same postseason where he was fantastic against the Mets. So it's it gets a little tricky there. But I'm I'm with you. I I would say that his his basically his trilogy ten twelve and fourteen with fourteen being quite a stellar you know third chapter in the trilogy that seems like it'll be enough that he doesn't ever really get overshadowed by his peers. You know, 20 years from now, people will. Do, do people remember the, the, the 90s Blue Jays? And it's like, no, but that was a nice run that they had, right? And it's right. like, yeah. But amongst his peers, no. And I think as long as Kershaw is not winning World Series and having his playoff performance, whatever, he was fine in this past postseason. And he's pitching he was, a lot. He was fine until he's that pitched. last game that knocked him out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that will also always be sort of the thing. Like, Kershaw might, it might be exactly as you mentioned. You know, Kershaw might be more Musina uh, and and Schilling uh, and Bumgarner more Schilling. Um, but yeah, I, he, it's going to be tough. He's he, he, all the, 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 the countrymen or the real American Deep South type, the lumberjack vibe that's with him too, that will also help stamp him still you know he won't just get lost in the like what is Mike Mussina 
right. is a that, wasp, right? That's, yes. that's the thing that really works against Mucina in particular, yeah. that you think about him and you're like, what is his face look like? And you kind of don't really know. Like, he's just some generic guy. That's right. And Kurt and Schilling looks like... Really. Yeah, yeah. And Kurt Schilling, yeah. Kurt Schilling looks like uh, Matt Latos, he was 20 years older. Kurt Schilling looks like in Mission Impossible when they're making the masks <laughs> of the guy they're trying to copy, like in the middle of the scanning process. Yeah. Like it's, or, or vanilla pudding melting in the sun. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Um, Cal at not really. Calvin asked, do the Giants really need lefties in the pen or just guys who are effective against left-handed hitting? Uh, yeah, it's the second thing. But well, unfortunately... I'm, uh, I, I don't disagree with you necessarily, but but it, it just prove it's proven over time that the most effective pitchers against left-handed hitters are left-handed pitchers. It's it's proven over time to me that Bruce Bochy, for whatever his other virtues as a manager, will not trust right-handers as much as left-handers against left-handed pitching or left-handed hitting, unless it's the closer. Unless it's the closer, in which case he will yes. give him so much rope. Yeah, he'll give him some rope. Well, Sonia Garcia gets got a lot. Yeah, and Melanson will Melanson will get the year unless he's like catastrophically bad. If he's like Armando Benitez plus Santiago Garcia last year for like the first two months of the season, then there will be some. There'll be a change probably in August. Then they will put him. They will put Melanson on the DL and figure it. Out. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, at some point, something's got to give with. The orthodoxy, right? If your lefties aren't getting lefties out, you just got to go with the guy. And and good relievers, he does tend to stick with. If Romo had been able, you know, Romo was never great against lefties, but then when he became terrible, you know, it was an easy call. But there's going to be guys who are going to, there's going to be situations, opportunities for guys to earn the trust, maybe in the seventh inning to face the lefty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe not the eighth. But like the seventh, and I can see that, um, you know, Derek Law, if Derek Law can get lefties out, then I, I could see it happening very easily. Because Derek Law, in Bochy's mind, is already kind of maybe uh, they're grooming him for maybe the closer, right? Or could could have been. Uh, now that they have Melanson, that's over. So if a guy is maybe a closer, I feel like they get a shot. You have to go with what you have. You can't. For, they. Tr- that's what the problem with Osage was. They tried to make another Jeremy Affeld, and it didn't. Can't do that. You can't make Affeld. Yeah, that's right. You got to just right. give him hamburger meat and see what happens. <laughs> here's a here's a banana peel, one roller skate, and a slip and slide. Go to work. Go make magic. <laughs> uh, uh, any more questions? Yes. We got one from Patrick Dubuque at EUQUBud who asked, what should Kurt Manwaring have done differently? I don't understand the context of the question. Did I don't. Kurt Manwaring committed crime? Some things that Kurt Manwaring could have done differently. Uh, he could have hit 370. <laughs> uh, yeah, he could have done that. I agree with that. He could have hit more home runs. <laughs> So uh, I think he has one of the coolest names. He does. That is a really cool name. And uh, his son is actually with the Giants right now. His son, Dylan Manwaring, is uh, a person in the Giants system at the moment. I don't know that he's a, an especially impressive prospect, but he's a catcher. And he was Kirk. Was Manwaring blocked? Was he? Blocked? Is that what, the, what? Was that what? Is that what it's about? That he? What could he have done better to? have become, like, a star on the Giants? I mean, I, I don't think so. I'm not sure what the question was. I just thought I would yeah. I would throw it out because I I realized I hadn't gone to your page to get the other two real questions yet. <laughs> okay. So I figured I needed to stall. Okay. Well, nicely done. It made us think about Kurt Manwaring for just a moment. And we like thinking about Kurt Manwaring. That's right. Um, so Michael Clare asks, how will the Giants be doing the day the sun explodes? Thanks in advance. <laughs> oh, Michael. Um, well, I would say that the Giants 
when the I feel like the Giants will be in extra innings <laughs> against the Padres. Yeah, the Giants are going to be in extra innings against the Padres, and Giants fans are going to be watching it, being like, "I'd rather die." That's right. And then their wish will come true. That's right. And let's be honest, we don't know when this is going to happen. Maybe the Trump administration <laughs> will, will blow up the sun. The only limit is their is their incompetence. Oh, so we should cut that. <laughs> sure, sure, I'll cut that. Um, uh, that's a good question, though. I think I think anyone else who's not a, strictly a Giants fan should think about what their team will be doing when the sun explodes. That is that is a good point. Um, and then last, last question, I think. Okay. From Nathan James at Side Out Par. Hi, Nathan. You and Rob, you and Rob Hainer should get together sometime and talk about how much you like us. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks, Giants or non, whose 30th birthday will occasion the most sobering reckoning with your own mortality? I'm leaning Darren Baker. Oh, my God. What a great question. That's a great question. That's a great answer he gave to his own question, too. Mm-hmm. God. I think just the updates we get on Darren Baker growing up is always a shock to the system. Just perpetually. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Who's going to make... I mean, I've already had so many of those little moments, like Darren Baker, obviously, like all those moments. I don't yeah. like seeing Rob Nen being older. That was weird to me. Yeah. Like um, sometime in the last six or seven years, Rob Nen's popped up and I'm like, oh, it's so weird. I just, <laughs> just last night, um, I saw a commercial for the, you know, the JLo show, Shades of Blue, and, mm-hmm. um, and Ray Liotta's in it. And I'm like, oh. What? Unrecognizable. <laughs> Yeah. Why was that allowed to happen? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, I would say you kind of nailed the right there with Darren Baker. As a for just from a giant standpoint, I mean, where else is there to go? Yeah. Uh, I really can't. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. I guess if Tim Lincecum really, you know, stops looking like Tim Lincecum, that'll be a shock. Yeah. Matt Cain's kind of stayed the same look. Matt Cain has looked consistent his entire time with the Giants. Uh, Buster Posey getting gray hair, like I said earlier, that will actually probably be the next shock I have. Yeah. That'll, like that'll be a big seeing Buster, Yeah. Seeing Buster Posey be an old man. By the way, he's six years younger than me. <laughs> it's not that <laughs> um, I would say from a Giants perspective, you know, if – the, the next homegrown guy, whoever it is, to turn into a star, like if it's Arroyo or whatever, Christian Arroyo is like 21 or 22 right now. When he turns 30, it's going to be like, well, where did that time go? What? Mm-hmm. That's not right. It's yeah. really not okay. I'll have a problem with that. Yeah. Well, Brian, Re- Brian Reynolds is 30? <laughs> what? Like, I don't know. Der- I think Derek Law hitting 30 will be weird. Yeah, I mean, because he's... Derek Law, yeah. He's not George Contos has been with the team for... George Contos has been with the team for, for how long? <laughs> Six years? Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. This is rough. <laughs> what a way to head into the season. First pitch is... Uh, opening day is right around the corner. And uh, we thank you for listening. Doug, I, I just want to get quick thought or feeling that you have for opening day. Are you excited at all? Is there anything you're like looking forward to the first week? I'm always excited for baseball. Uh, I'm looking forward to, I'm pretty sure DirecTV is going to have a free preview for all the baseball games. So that's, they usually do that. Uh, But otherwise I just, I just want baseball to be back. I miss baseball. (laughs) I do too. I I'm looking forward to seeing how the giants are shaggy in the beginning and how they win games. Um, and sometimes it's like they win games when the season starts kind of messy. And like last year, remember they started like by hitting, they scored a bunch of runs kind of in the first couple of weeks, and then it all went away. Yeah, that's right. And then, and then like 2014, the first month, they just hit a bunch of home runs and then they kept doing that the rest of the season. But then there are just like some seasons where it's just like, how do they win that game? Right, there, there was like 2011 where they won on Miguel Tejada hitting a fly ball that was like an error by the left fielder. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I want to see how Matt Moore starting with the team is going to look. I want to see that, you know, that first turn through the rotation it kind of has the same. It has, it should have at least the same level of anticipation as we had for last year. Um, even though we know what Jeff Samarja is and we know what Matt Kane is still Matt Moore is, is, is in there and that's going to be interesting. And, and, um, and just to see where the runs are going to come from is going to be fun. Like if Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford come out of the gate and it's just the Brandon's game. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm looking forward to is like what is it going to be the first month? Or are they going to start one in seven and we're all going to be like in really angry at each other? Right. So we'll just have to find out. <laughs> right. I'm looking forward to whatever small sample size like really great player yes. is proclaimed as the next coming who then falls back to earth. <laughs> That'll be great. Like wherever Adrianza winds up. Oh, he's hurt right now. Poor Adrian. I know, he got hurt. Uh, yeah, poor Adrian, actually. But, uh, yeah, if Jared Parker has, you know, the first five or six games and he has, like, five home runs, we're going to be like, ah, yeah. holy crap. Uh, all right, well, thanks again. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back after the first week of games. So you have a little break from us, which I know you're all enjoy. But uh, So we'll be back on uh, the... The 10th. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll be back on the 10th. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'm at every sixth day on Twitter. I am at Moonwalk McFly on Twitter. And we both write for the site, but Doug writes for McCovey Chronicles more often than I do. Right? So. Yes. And look look <laughs> out for me saying writing words for Purple Rose preview of the Giants, which will be out on Wednesday. No. Oh, there you go. So you got something to look forward to. All right. Have a good night. Bye.